You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Shepard Stone. Shepard is a physician associate anesthesiologist at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut. He is also an associate clinical professor of anesthesiology at Yale University School of Medicine. He is one of a very elite group of PAs practicing in the field of anesthesia. Today, we are discussing PAs in anesthesiology. Hi, Professor Stone. Welcome to the show. Greetings, Lisa, and feel free to call me Shepard. Thank you, Shepard. Shepard, could you give us a history behind your training and how you found yourself in this very unique niche? My initial clinical interest was to become a PA practicing surgical critical care. To further this interest, one of the opportunities I had was to participate in the postgraduate surgical residency for PAs that was first initiated in 1976 between Yale and Norwalk Hospital in Connecticut. During that residency, I got exposed to anesthesiology and found it interesting. But at that time, I was planning on practicing in surgery. But fortunately for me, approximately a year later, an anesthesiology resident quit in August. That's the second month of their training. And there was a a deficit in the number of residents they had in the program. And back then, our residency program was quite small, and it was elected to plug me into that physician's slot. What I ended up doing was a full residency and a fellowship in anesthesiology. This was certainly a unique opportunity that I'm most appreciative for, and it's worked well. Are there currently any postgraduate training programs in anesthesia for PAs? Sadly, specifically, no. What there are are anesthesiologist assistant programs, some of which have taken PAs, sometimes with advanced standing, to get that specialized training in anesthesiology. This works well for the people who've done it, but it commits them to two more years of training, two more years of tuition, but it certainly makes them a qualified anesthesia practitioner, even more so the fact that they're trained as PAs in addition. Anesthesiologist assistants, the scope of practice is limited to anesthesiology. What I would like there to be is a circumstance where people could benefit as I did, that is a postgraduate training program for PAs in anesthesiology, But to my knowledge, at this point in time, I don't believe there are any. Well, this is a role that's been traditionally filled by nurse anesthetists. Do you see this as a possible growth field for PAs? PAs practice in every medical specialty, and I see no reason why there could not be more of us in the field of anesthesiology. As a matter of fact, I think by the nature of our training, the way we have didactic training in the sciences, graduated clinical experience in the second year, and then having patient care responsibility would be a wonderful prelude into simply acquiring the skills specific for anesthesiology. One of the benefits of being a PA is flexibility. One graduates PA school with the ability to obtain a history, perform a physical examination, and care for a vast majority of common medical problems. Unfortunately, in anesthesiology, the training as a PA does not benefit you initially. But in the same light, someone graduating from medical school, an internship, is not yet ready to practice anesthesiology. They need the supervised experience and didactic training that go with the postgraduate residency. Since we're trained in the physician paradigm, it would seem very reasonable to me to construct a similar program where we could have similar experiences, where we could then practice in collaboration with our physician anesthesiologists. Let's talk about you and what you do during your typical day. 
Are you responsible for the same type of anesthetics as the physicians? Yes. A typical day starts with me getting to the hospital about 5.30 in the morning, where it takes me the better part of an hour to an hour and a half to prepare the anesthetizing location to care for patients. At that point, I will have met my first patient of the day, reviewed their history, performed a physical exam if this has not already been done in our pre-admission testing clinic, and come up with an anesthetic plan. I've then discussed this plan with the attending anesthesiologist and implement it. Do you share responsibilities with any of the pediatric units? Up until about 10 or 12 years ago, all members of the faculty did all types of anesthesiology, but 12 years ago we created a children's hospital, and then we separated out our pediatric anesthesiologists from the rest of us. On occasion, I might do an older child in our main operating room, but as a regular practice, I do not do pediatric anesthesia. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and I'm speaking with Shepard Stone, physician associate anesthesiologist at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut, and we are discussing PAs in the field of anesthesiology. So, Shepard, most PAs that work in anesthesia work in pre- and post-anesthesia care or pain management. How does a PA become a full member of the anesthesia care team if they're currently working in these settings? I think the PAs in anesthesiology evolve in their specialty just as PAs in every other practice. You join it, and then with on-the-job training, you learn the preferences of the collaborative physicians you work with and acquire your own experience. Every institution, every department, every individual has their own preferences, and you adapt to them and supplement with your own knowledge and experience. In terms of providing intraoperative anesthetic care, one really needs to have a supervised experience to do this. With many other things that we do, the basic skills that we've acquired in PA school allow you to acquire information, and even if one was not familiar with what to do next, you could bring that information to the supervising physician and develop a collaborative plan. But the hands-on practice of anesthesia requires that experience and that experience be supervised initially, just the way it is in a residency for physicians or in nurse anesthesia training programs or anesthesiologist assistant training programs. I have heard of a small number of PAs who have had the opportunity to get that on-the-job training by private anesthesia groups. People have been willing to take the time to invest in the training of these PAs and then evolve into anesthesia practitioners. But that is really asking a lot of a practice because you have to take an experienced clinician and instead of providing care themselves, they must one-to-one supervise the care of the trainee. Again, this is common in a residency, but in a private practice, this is not an efficient use for the here and now, but it's a wonderful investment in the future. I think we need postgraduate training programs. How does the role of the supervising physician work in this specialty, and what are the different responsibilities that, say, you have than your supervising physician? Well, I'm a PA. I'm not a physician. I am not the ultimate sole provider or responsible clinician. But you have to realize that I'm currently completing my 30th year of anesthetic practice, And many of the physicians who are my supervisors were residents years behind me, including my chairperson. (laughs) Having trained these people or trained with them or simply working with them, we've developed very good collegial relations and respect one another's expertise. 
I am experienced, but I certainly don't pretend to know everything, and neither do most physicians. And our goal is to work together to provide the best care we can for our patients. How do you deal with the political issues, such as a nurse anesthetist who can practice in a clinic or an office almost independently where a PA is defined as a dependent role? The issue does not come up with us, and frankly, the codependency of PA for a physician has been one of the strong points in the PA profession and enabled us to evolve. There's really no competition there. We are collaborative practitioners working together to provide high-quality care to more people. You just talked about how well your team works with your physician colleagues. How about the patients? How do the patients react when you tell them you're not an MD? My initial introduction is, hello, my name is Shepard Stone. I'm the PA from the anesthesiology department, Dr. X, and I will be providing your anesthesia care. And I don't think I've ever had anyone express any concerns about it. If they call me doctor, I correct them. (laughs) Very good. So, Shepard, what are you most proud of in your anesthesia career? I would have to say the privilege of being able to participate in the care of patients undergoing surgery to make it easy and safe for them. In the practice of anesthesia, we've learned to do this very, very safely. Catastrophic events are exceedingly rare. So we almost take safety as a given, but we we certainly don't. But to take someone through this highly stressful moment of their lives and to make it comfortable and easy for them, I never fail to get a great deal of satisfaction from that, no matter how small or big the operation. So if I'm a physician and I'm listening to this show and I'm thinking I want to bring a PA into my anesthesia practice, how much training is needed on my part to create this type of a great relationship and teamwork? You as a supervising physician have to determine your comfort level. There's no formal mechanism, as we've said, for training PAs in anesthesia, but then again, with any area of PA practice, the supervising physician and the PA working with them have an evolving growth in their comfort with one another. If you're new to a practice, no matter how experienced you might be, the supervising physician is going to be watching more closely. Over time, when you realize that the PA is confident and capable to do more and more, you need to supervise much less closely. And the same thing could happen in anesthesia. What kind of time frame? That depends on the individual's. So if I'm a PA and I'm interested in the field of anesthesiology, you talked about an anesthesiology assistant program. What's really the difference between that and a a CNRA? And are PAs able to get into a CNRA program? Well, CRNAs, nurse anesthetist, to get into the program, you have to be a graduate registered nurse first. And generally, there's a requirement for some critical care experience prior to that. Being a PA alone, I don't believe, is an adequate credential to get one into a nurse anesthetist program. For an AA program, to my knowledge, one does not have to have clinical experience. I believe a bachelor's degree in the sciences is the uh, entry requirement. But as I've said, AA programs have accepted PAs, sometimes with advanced standing, into their program. So you would have to do an AA program and also a PA program. So it does make more sense that a postgraduate training program or some type of a PA residency be established and you'd go from a PA program into an anesthesia postgraduate training with the same amount of time and certainly less cost. And also there would be less redundancy because in an AA program, there's a didactic part going over basic sciences. Well, as a PA, one will have done that. 
Now, granted, the emphasis will not have been with the sciences as they apply to anesthesiology, so there would need to be some didactic component, but again, we have this in our physician residencies. The graduates of medical schools and internship are certainly well qualified to a certain level, but they don't have the specialized depth of knowledge or breadth of knowledge as is required for the practice of anesthesiology. In the residency, they receive lectures, reading assignments, and then the guided clinical experience to make them experienced practitioners. And I would envision something similar for PAs. Thank you, Shepard Stone, for coming on the show. You're very welcome, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features the entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. And thanks for listening.